Morning, church. Everyone have a great Thanksgiving? Awesome. I absolutely love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is probably one of my favorite holidays. Is anyone with me? Favorite holiday? I love the turkey, pumpkin pie. Can anyone say yes to pumpkin pie? Amen, pumpkin pie. Susan makes like a crazy good pumpkin pie crunch dessert thing. Oh my gosh, like it is so good, it's even good cold the next day. It is amazing. Mashed potatoes? Football? Eh, iffy there, right? Some of us are like, woo, and some of us are like, I don't know if I should cheer right now. Um, so much about Thanksgiving. Family time together. My kids have Thanksgiving off the whole week, so we traveled to Missouri. Woo! It's a lot of time in the car. Um, saw Susan's family out there, which was wonderful. See the family that we love. Um, Thanksgiving's a great time, and, and I love it because it launches us into the holiday season where we celebrate time with family, where we snuggle because of the cold weather, though we haven't had any snow. Maybe we can pray for snow. Those of you who like snow and like to ski. Um, woo, yeah. Um, so I just love this season. And one of the really special things about Thanksgiving is it is an opportunity for us to slow down and say, Lord, I want to thank you. In today's text, we have a story of one guy who said thank you and a bunch who did not. So I want to dig into that story and kind of walk through it and see how it can apply to our lives today. So if you have your Bibles out or your smartphones, um, Luke chapter 17, Luke 17, we're going to start at verse 11. We're going to go 11 through 19. So as you're turning there, I want to I wanna make sure we kind of understand the setting of what's going on in this story. So you have Galilee up north. Galilee, that's where Nazareth was, Canaan, Capernaum, lots of different stories from the New Testament happened in Galilee, north end of Israel's land. Then you have Samaria, and then below that you have Judea, which is Jerusalem, um, Bethany, lots of other different places um, where Jesus did work as well. But in Samaria, that was the area where when the, oh, now I'm forgetting their name, um, the Israelites got attacked and taken away by the evil people, <laughs> Amalekites. Babylonians is also true, but that was later. Um, so the bad people. Um, the Amorites came and they hauled people away, right? And they left some of the Israelites there. And then what they did so that it wouldn't, the nation wouldn't hold on to its identity, they moved in other people from around the world there. And those people intermarried with the Israelites. And so then because they weren't true Israelites, only by blood Israelites, um, and they lived in Samaria, the, Samaria, they became Samaritans. So they were looked down on. Um, if you're a Harry Potter fan, they were like half-bloods. Okay? Did I say that right? Mudbloods. Ugh, I was like, I'm forgetting that wrong, but I know it's right. Harry Potter, woo! Um, so, 
So you've read, so that's basically what they were looked down on. Everyone just looked at Samaritans and were like, ugh, you just disgusting people, okay? So when you hear stories from scripture about Samaritans, that's why when we look, about, look at or study the story of the Good Samaritan, that's why it was so shocking for people. That, that half-breed person, that person that we look down on with disgust, that, that's the hero of this story? Okay, so Jesus is walking along the border of Samaria. We start in Luke 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. So he's on his way to Jerusalem. What's gonna happen in Jerusalem? He's gonna die. So this is already him starting his journey toward his death. He's headed to Jerusalem, but he's all the way up in Galilee. He's done some things there, and now he is walking along the border between Samaria and Galilee. So he's still really far north, headed to Jerusalem. Verse 12, as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Now, what's leprosy? Leprosy is a skin disease. We don't really see it much today, even though it still exists. But leprosy was something that affected the nerves of your body so that you couldn't feel pain. Now, most of us would go, legit. Like, I could be a superhero. I don't feel nothing. No. It was bad because it was very contagious. And on top of that, if you had it and it was affecting, let's say it affected your hand and you fell asleep and you're asleep and you're sleeping near the fire and your hand falls over to where some coals are, your hand could be burning and you wouldn't know it. Not pleasant. So you wake up the next day and you have a mangled hand. And in those days, it's very hard to clean, heal, etc. So people with leprosy, their bodies could really be degenerating in lots of ways, okay? So these 10 guys have leprosy. Now, they're at a distance, it says, verse 12. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. Now, why are they living at a distance? Well, I already said that it was highly contagious, right? So if you go to Leviticus chapter 13, there are regulations about infectious skin diseases. So God set it up when he set the nation of Israel in place and gave them all their regulations and rules. This is how you are to live. He gave them regulations on how to deal with infectious skin diseases. He thought everything. So verse 45 and 46 of Leviticus 13 says this. The person with such an infectious disease, like leprosy, must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face, and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone, he must live outside the camp. So here's 10 guys who have leprosy. We don't know how long they've had it but they look bad and everywhere they go, they have to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. Does that sound horrible? It sounds horrible. Like you would feel like less than a dog. 
It would be a horrible existence. You'd be a mangy animal that no one wanted to see and no one wanted to be around. So there's 10 of you that have the same disease, so it's not like you can affect one another worse, and you decide to bond together and have community together. So you're living life, you're watching out for one another, and you've heard about this Jesus guy. Who is this Jesus guy? He, he heals people? What? He, heal, he healed some dude who couldn't walk? Dude, if he ever comes nearby, I would love to see him. So he's walking, Jesus, along the border. And they shout out in a voice together. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. They knew where to go. They knew in their time of trouble who to look to. Verse 14, when he saw them, so even at a distance, when he saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. Now, when you were cleansed, when your skin disease, sometimes it was just a rash. And if you had a rash, you'd be gone for seven days outside of the camp. You'd go back to the priest and go, it was just a rash. And he'd look and he'd go, oh, okay, you're good. You can go. If you want to read about the, the very clear instructions on how to tell if you were clean or not, go to Leviticus 13. It has lots of stuff about hair and rash and what it looks like or what it doesn't look like. Very enjoyable nighttime reading. So you go to the priest, you show yourself to be cleansed. He looks at you, he says, yes, and you're free to go. You're, you're able to be back in society. Praise God. Now, Jesus says to these guys, go and show yourselves to the priest. But they're not cleansed. They're still leprous. So they had to decide in that moment are we going to go into society where we're not supposed to be, where we need to be yelling unclean? Are we supposed to walk to the priests and act like we're clean even though we're not? Are we supposed to obey what Jesus said even though it doesn't make sense? Or should we just stand here and look at him because he's dumb? Let's read 14 again. When he, Jesus, saw them, he said, go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. As they went, they were cleansed. Not, hey, now we're cleansed and we should go. As they went, all of them trusted and believed and obeyed. Did what Jesus told them to do, even though in the moment it didn't make any sense. And because of their faith, they were cleansed. Praise God for their faith. Praise God for the other people who had told them about Jesus. Because surely they hadn't been around Jesus yet. They had heard of him they believed and they were cleansed. Let's finish reading. Verse 15. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. So 10 guys, all head to the priests, all are cleansed. One goes back. And I think most of the time we look at the other nine and we go, oh my gosh, losers. Like God just healed you and you just went on your merry way. I think our, our quick reaction is to look down on those nine 
And instead, I think we should put ourselves in their shoes. How many thanksgivings have they missed not being with family? How many times have they not gotten to put their kids to bed? How many times have they missed cuddling with their wife when it's cold? How long have they been separated from their family? And they see Jesus and they obey without seeing his work and he heals them. What's the first thing you want to do? Go see your family. Go hug the people you haven't been able to see in who knows how long. Celebrate what God has done for you with the people that you love. They rushed off, just as I think we would have, to show the people they loved what God had done and bring him glory. And one took the time before he went to celebrate with his family to go back and say thanks. I think there's plenty of times that we also fail to give thanks. How many of us know the common table prayer? Come Lord Jesus, be our guest and let thy gifts to us be blessed, amen. How many of you guys pray that right before meals? How many of you try to squeeze that in before your kids start eating? Oh my gosh, like we'll be dishing out food and before I've dished out the fourth kid, this one started eating, and I can't tell you how many times I say it, hey, let's pray. And then once everyone's kind of set and settled, then you feel like you kind of got a rush because they've already started. Like, all right, let's pray the prayer. And you pray the prayer. Do you even really think about what you're saying? Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Let thy gifts to us be blessed, amen. Thank you for the gifts that you have given us. May we be blessed by them. Amen. How often do we rush through things without saying thanks? How often when our car is broken down, do we say thanks? Not often, because we're not excited about that. We're not excited about saying thanks for my broken down car, but we should be thankful for our car because who gave it to us? God did. So how do we maintain a spirit, a posture, a heart of gratitude in the midst of all situations, whether good or bad? 1 Thessalonians 5.18. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, we're actually gonna read 16, 17, and 18. says this, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We often do not do that well. We do not give thanks in all circumstances. We give thanks at Thanksgiving. We give thanks when things are going well. But we often do not give thanks in all circumstances and we do not take time to give thanks as often as we should. Think about the lepers. If they were to live out this truth, give thanks in all circumstances, would they have been able to give thanks if Jesus had not healed them? I think that had been really hard. Imagine you see Jesus 
and you're like, master, master, have pity on us. And he says, God has appointed you to have this. I love you. Peace. Oh my gosh. You'd be angry. God, you, you could have healed me. I, I heard you healed that other guy. You, you can just say it. Why, why didn't you heal me? We have so many times that in different circumstances, we do not give thanks because we feel cheated, because we feel it's wrong. When I think about stuff like this, I think about Job. If you have your Bibles, go to Job chapter one. For those of you who know Job's story, Job had everything. If there's anyone in the Bible who has tons to be thankful for, it's Job. He has tons of riches. He has a great family. Everything he wants, he can have. There is a hedge of protection that God has put around him. Job is in a great place and he walks with God. So he starts to have messengers come telling him that he's lost everything. He's lost his herds, his, all his kids who are having a celebration together, maybe Thanksgiving. The walls fell in and his whole family dies. And all he has left is his wife who basically tells him, um, Job, just curse God and die. Job has lost like everything. Verse 20 of chapter one. Job has heard about all that he has lost. At this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. He is grieving. He is incredibly hurt and crushed by everything that he has lost. At this, Job got up, tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. He fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. I don't know what things you've gone through in the last year that you are not thankful for. I'm sure there's plenty of stuff this past Thursday that when you thought about it, you were able to share stuff you were thankful for. Plenty of things, because God has blessed you. But what are the things that you were not thankful for? What are the things that have caused you pain and heartache, disappointment and hurt? What are the things that you go, God, I don't get it. That is not how that should have gone down. That is not how that was supposed to be. Can you thank God for those? Because he's doing something. He's doing something for your good or for those around you. It's for good. Can you thank him for it? The thing that you do not want to thank him for. So how do we maintain this heart of gratitude? We've got to remember that everything we have comes from God. Everything we have, the good and the bad, comes from God. God the Father created everything. God the Son gave his life for us. Just like the lepers separated need of help, couldn't heal themselves. Jesus healed them in the same way he came to us on the cross. We, sinners, covered in our sin, outside of God's presence, 
And Jesus came and said, I forgive you. I love you. I will die for you. The Holy Spirit living inside us, equipping us, encouraging us, speaking to us, strengthening us that we might live the life that he calls us to. We have so much to be thankful for. And even though we go through times like Job did, or we go through times like the lepers did, there's a better day coming. I promise you, there is a better day coming. So ask God to help you take your focus off of yourself and put it back on him and say, God, you have given everything. Everything that I have, may I give to you. It's yours anyway. Help me use my talents, my gifts, my skills, my time, my finances. Help me give it all back to you. Because anything that we have is not ours. All the money that's currently in your bank account or not in your bank account, all of it is from God. And he wants you to use all of it for his glory whether that means that you're tithing here at Family of Christ, whether that means that you are giving funds to help a radio station that you support or a ministry that helps kids or local people who are homeless, everything we have is from God. So we say, God, thank you for what you have given me. I wanna give it all back to you. And I think when we do that, then we are living a life of thanks then we are living a life that says, God, thank you. And I think it helps us have a perspective that says, God, you're in control and I can thank you in all circumstances because there's always something good to find. Regardless of the pain that you're going through, there is always something God is doing that you can look to and say, praise God for that. Even though this has happened, it has reminded me of this truth. Even though I go through this pain, God has raised these people up to support and encourage me. Thank you. Find the things that you can be thankful for in every circumstance so that we can be a people who honor God in all ways and in all times, not by looking at ourselves, but looking to the Father who has given us his all. Amen.